everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. I am back with another Snow Day episode recorded from my house, so I apologize if the audio quality on this one isn't great, but we're doing it. And today we're talking about Genesis 29. If you've got to join the Journey Journal, you know that today we're answering some questions about Jacob's two wives, Rachel and Leah. Was God okay with this? I want you to think about a time when things didn't play out as you expected. For me, I'm thinking about our last staff Christmas party. As a staff, we played games, carnival games that earned us tickets. And then at the end of the night, we could put our tickets in boxes that represented prizes that were to be raffled off. My friend Mel and I put our tickets in a box that was labeled pedicures. But much to our surprise, the pedicure also included a trip to the beach. We were shocked. And when it comes to surprises like that, we love it when things don't go as expected. But what about when life gets really hard? You just thought things would be different. Maybe you're frustrated you're still single, or you and your spouse are having trouble getting pregnant. Maybe you thought your kids would be better behaved by now or quit struggling with that same bad choice. How do you respond when your expectations aren't met? To set the scene for us, Jacob is, at the moment, afraid that his brother Esau is going to kill him. So he's fled to live with his uncle Laban, as his father had suggested. And it's while he's staying with his uncle that he meets Rachel and Leah. Basically, Jacob's on his way to visit his uncle Laban, and he spots his well, this well, at the time he doesn't know it's his uncle's, a well out in a field, and sheep are lying all around it. Why were they lying down instead of drinking the water? There was a huge stone covering the top of the well, preventing the sheep from getting water. And it's important to note that there were a few other shepherds present and were left to wonder, why didn't they move the stone? Many commentators believe that they didn't feel like they could move the stone because it belonged to Jacob's uncle. And as Jacob approaches the well, he engages with the shepherds and he's like, hey guys, do you, do you know my uncle? And they're like, yeah, actually, his daughter's heading this way with his sheep right now. And then Jacob points out that the sheep should be grazing, so he suggests they move the stone so that the sheep can drink. And the shepherds tell Jacob they can't open the well until all the sheep are present, which seems like a silly rule to me, but nonetheless, once Rachel arrives with Uncle Laban's sheep, Jacob moves the stone. And then He simply freaks out, literally. He's obsessed with Rachel. I don't know how else to say it. The progression of events is that he moves the stone, he kisses Rachel, he weeps loudly. Joyous family reunion or something else, the scripture makes it incredibly clear that Jacob found her attractive. As we read, Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Verse 18, Jacob loved Rachel. And he said to his uncle, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And that's how it plays out. Jacob works for seven years, and he gets to marry his cousin, Rachel. As we talked about in episode 25, it was okay for Jacob to marry one of his cousins. If you've got questions about incest, go check out the last episode. But things don't play out as expected. Just as Jacob had pretended to be his older brother, Esau, Leah pretends to be her older sister, Rachel. Now, in this day and age, it was customary for a bride to enter her new husband's presence veiled, if not completely veiled or covered. 
One commentator even tells the story of a man not seeing his new wife's face for three days. So it seems kind of crazy to us, may have been fairly probable trickery at this point in time. One commentator says the bridal week was the week of feasting that followed a marriage. Jacob received Rachel seven days after he had consummated his marriage to Leah. The Hebrew name Rachel means ooh, and Leah means cow. Ironically, Laban treated them as cattle and used them for bargaining and trading. And this commentator continues, Jacob married two women in eight days. Notice, Jacob was behaving like his parents, who each favored one son above the other by favoring one of his wives above the other. In both cases, serious family problems followed. The Mosaic Law later prohibited marrying two sisters at the same time. Bigamy and polygamy were never God's will, he concludes, and that's important. The Mosaic Law prohibited marrying two sisters at the same time. Whenever we read scripture, it's important we distinguish between that which is descriptive, this is how something played out, and that which is prescriptive. This is what happened, and you should do it too. It's clear, abundantly clear, that the story of Jacob, Rachel, and Leah is descriptive, not prescriptive. One commentator goes on to say, Jacob had planned to take Rachel as his wife, but God intended him to have Leah. God remains faithful to his promises to bless his people, but in the process, he may discipline them for their previous unresolved sin and often does so in kind. Jacob was getting what he deserved. It's a hot take. In this light, the seven extra years that Jacob had to serve Laban appeared as a repayment for his treatment of Esau. By calling such situations to the attention of the reader, the writer begins to draw an important lesson from these narratives. Jacob's deceptive schemes for obtaining the blessing did not meet with divine approval. Let me say that again. Jacob's deceptive schemes for obtaining the blessing did not meet with divine approval. Through Jacob's plans, God's will had been accomplished, but the writer is intent on pointing out as well that the schemes and tricks were not of God's design. The commentator continues, God formed Jacob's family, the ancestors of the tribes of Israel, as he had promised Jacob at Bethel. Unfortunately, Jacob and his wives lived in envy and friction over how God chose to bless them. The real issue of the two sisters' conflicts in this pericope is the same as that of the brothers Esau and Jacob's struggle. Who will take the lead and be first and who will have to serve? Jacob had planned to take Rachel as his wife, but God intended him to have Leah. Thus, in two major reversals in Jacob's life, we can begin to see the writer's theme taking shape. Jacob sought to marry Rachel, but Laban tricked him. Then Jacob sought to build a family through Rachel, but she was barren, and God opened Leah's womb, the commentator concludes. Long story short, no. This story isn't encouraging people to take two wives. In fact, it's an example of what happens when we wrongly try to take matters into our own hands, when we try to grasp at the things we want the most. Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, and then he was stuck with Leah. So he took a second wife and had to work for seven more years. And then things got more complicated. The wife he'd wanted struggled to have children. God was fulfilling his promises to this family, just not in the way that Jacob expected or with the woman he desired. Sure, Laban and Leah's deception was wrong. Nonetheless, I think there's something to be learned from Jacob. 
when things don't play out as we'd want them to, we can still trust God. I also think there's something we can learn from Leah. Over and over again, she gives birth to children, hoping that the child she carried would earn approval from her husband. But her efforts were in vain. Eventually, however, she realizes her joy is in the Lord, not in the approval of man. That's verse 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. Which is absolutely crazy because Judah is the son through which Jesus would come. Think about it. Things were not going as Leah would have them. Oh, how she, how she longed for her husband to celebrate the children she was bringing in the world. Yet, when she surrendered her desires to the Lord and remembered who her God is, she gave birth to the great, 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 lot of greats, grandfather to Jesus. Jesus came from Leah's line. God was at work doing something spectacular, even though Leah couldn't see it, even though Leah wasn't chosen or desired or wanted by her husband, God used her as a conduit for his grand plan of blessing our world through Jesus Christ. So I don't know what you're walking through today, but I I do know that when things aren't going our way, it doesn't mean God has abandoned us. In fact, he might be working in bigger ways than we could ever imagine. That's all we've got time for today. But as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.